This is CliffCentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. CliffCentral.com. I'll give you two guesses the nationality of the band slash artist in the background. Okay, you got it in one. Yes, Australian. Australians are in the news right now, and, well, I've got to, just like last week, I've just got to stick into the story. The big SA vs. Australia ball tampering calamity fiasco, call it what you want. It's still big, big news. And it's only getting bigger, really, because now we're getting it towards the fourth test, which is unfortunately very much the sideshow to what has become the main event, which is the scandal. It's off-the-field stuff, it's bans, it's suspension, sanctions, call it what you want. It's a shame it's got like this. These are some more good Australians, by the way. Empire of the Sun. So it's a... <coughs> Ooh, sorry. Sorry. Caught us on a hot cross button there. So it's <laughs> it's definitely got to the point now where if you had no interest in this whole SA vs. Australia test series, that's fine because you weren't a cricket fan going into this. But everybody is getting into it now because this is what the internet does. It, it brings in with memes. The memes then make you share it, which makes you talk about it, and then you lap up every single bit of information that comes after that. This is this age that we live in, and... Um, Sorry, this is this age that we live in, and it does make for great entertainment. As I've always said in this show, sport is entertainment. That's all it is. No one's creating anything fantastic here. They are just entertaining us. And this series will go down as, in my opinion, the most landmark of test match series in all of cricket. We've had body line. We've had a variety of other scandals and great contests, all that kind of stuff. We know over the ashes all the time. But this really is, it's, it's going to change test cricket forever and ever. So that is why I'm dedicating this entire show to basically what has happened from the Aussies arriving to where we are right now, some being escorted by police escorts at the airport. It has been just, it's been almost impossible to keep up with. I know this because I, I'm monitoring this on a day-to-day basis. So from a fan's perspective, I'm sure you have battled to keep it all together. So that's what today's show is going to be all about. It's going to be about me going through every single element. And uh, I think in doing so, we are going to find some interesting elements that you might not have thought about or just putting more and more stuff into context. So speaking of context, where we're going to start this whole thing is where we first came to be, well, first came to hear of Cameron Bancroft. Now, we all know that Australia has many talented cricketers that come through the system. And uh, like all teams, you know, youngsters come in, old people get out. Cameron Bancroft was first identified to us in December, November last year. Because it was the Aussie series, it was the Ashes series, sorry, and um, that was how we first got to hear of him. But we got to hear of him in also a slightly controversial sense. I'm sure you'll remember this. Um, no, I remember it very clearly. Um, we, uh, you know, we just won a Shield game for WA. One of our, um, yeah, one of our valleys is celebrate success. So we were, um, you know, we were as a team and as a group and. Um, at the same time, obviously, that coincided with the, the English team arriving in, in Perth for the um, tour game. And, um, you know, it was very, very friendly mingling uh, the whole night. Obviously, some of our players knew some of the English players and things like that. And, um, you know, as, as the night progressed, um, you know, it was great to, to be able to meet meet some of those guys. And, um, you know, I got into a you know, very amicable conversation with, with Johnny. And, um, you know, yeah, like, you just... Um, <laughs> Just yeah, just greeted me with um, yeah, just a headbutt kind of thing. So I, I was expecting a handshake, but um, it wasn't the wasn't the greeting of choice that I was I was expecting. So this and, is the first um, time we see Cameron Bancroft in the news, so to speak, in the greater scheme of things, in press conferences next to Steve Smith in the baggy green. That was the first thing. There was the controversial headbutt with Johnny Bairstow, which were just guys being guys, I guess. I mean, they were all getting pretty hammered. And then Australian media and Australia itself in that test series, this was the start of the Ashes, which everybody knew Australia was going to win. And whenever England go down there, there's always mass chaos and uh, tensions. So they used this as the first thing to create the first fire of the series. And it's such a great image, which has been thrown around right now of contrasts. 
Smith and Bancroft having a laugh at this press conference to where they were looking so forlorn, deflated and beaten at the Newlands press conference. So that's where we're going to start. So the Aussies arrived here. No doubt they were pretty upbeat about their chances of uh, winning the South Africa, have a fantastic record where they've uh, they've never actually lost here post-isolation. So since 92, every time they come here, they've won the series. Uh, Australia are maybe... The weird thing is when SA goes to Australia, they're just as devastating in that respect. So they came to Durban. Nathan Lyon wanted the stunt mics turned down. There was all this general Australian bravado, which we all expected. It was the whole thing about the sledging was going to be a part of it. These guys were making light of the fact that, well, you know, we're Australia, blah, blah, blah. This is going to happen. Fierce conflict, all that kind of stuff. It was coming up. Then we got into that, that first test in Durban. Now I've, um, I've actually kind of recapped a lot of the stuff on my YouTube channel, uh, which is follow the bounce on YouTube around this whole test series. So well, I'll, I'll skim over a couple of factors here. I feel that we've all already covered so much, but the first test in Durban was really quite something because Mitchell Stark, was running in there and he was getting reverse swing like we've probably never seen in this country. I've seen a lot of cricket. I love test cricket. It's one thing that between that and watching the majors in golf, I, I can literally watch ball for ball for a whole day. I, I've always loved test cricket in this regard. And when you're on Twitter at the same time, it's just, it's so special. Mitchell Stark in the first innings, five for 34. In the second innings, four for 74. He single handedly spearheaded the victory for Australia there. No doubt the, uh, the protest batsman was a bit piss poor, but the way that ball was reversing, it was rather quite something. And again, like we didn't think anything of it back then because we were in awe of Mitchell Stark. The guy is a great bowler. We've seen how good he is in the limited overs format of the game. We've seen how devastating he is with that ball when it starts reversing. So we weren't really asking any questions. But this is a very interesting thing that was said by Darren Lehman at the time of the first test because now reverse swing was becoming a thing. If the if the Aussie bowlers could do it, then what was the South African answer? Firstly, could the batsmen deal with it? And secondly, could the bowlers extract the same amount of movement and be just as dangerous? So Darren Lehman was addressing the media at the time, and he had this to say about the whole reverse swing thing. Um, obviously, there's techniques used by both sides to, to get the ball reversed, and that's just the way the game goes. I have no problems with it. Simple. Do you think they techniques that are acceptable to the ICC? And I don't know. You'd have to ask the umpires in the ICC, that one. You'd know about it. So straight away, red flag, right? I mean... Here's a guy who's being, well, Buff is, Buff is Buff Lehman. He will always talk to you look, looking like he's already had five pints and the, the next swear word's never too far away. So he was making very light of the fact that this ball was reversing. Like, you know, well, this is just what they can do. The guys do whatever they need to do. So straight away, when looking at it in hindsight, silence dodgy, right? At the time, we were like, well, you know, everyone shines the ball. Everyone does a little bit of stuff. But we never thought we'd get to where we are right now. So... The Aussies won that test uh, match in Durban rather comprehensively. It was then on to PE, and uh, there was something interesting about the PE match from start to finish. There really was. There was obviously the band. There was Rabada, who was just so amazing on that first day. I mean, that first session, it was all Australia, and then Rabada got like, I don't know, four wickets and like 20 balls or something stupid like that. It wasn't through reverse swing. I mean, Rabada's a different kind of bowler. He doesn't, re- doesn't rely on those sort of attributes but he was just steaming through them. And then there was the shoulder brush incident, which was then the big incident of the whole test match. And then there was the band being told to shut down, all that kind of stuff. But one thing that came out, again, looking in hindsight, David Warner had a heavily bandaged hand. Now, this was at the time, obviously, with the fallouts around, you know, Quinton Cox saying things about his wife. And then uh, David Warner was very sort of adamant about the fact that he was defending his wife, even though she had obviously slept with a whole bunch of other professional sports stars, which again, that's her choice. That's her doing. There's, there's no bad on that, really. Um, everyone does stuff when they're like, when they're young, but he was defending her. So he had Candace written on his hand, but there was so much excessive bandaging on his hand. Already the rumors are going around like, you know, is that legal on, on a couple of aspects, but is he maybe roughing the ball up at the same time? If you look at this picture, I mean, it's gone around social media. He had this particularly long pinky uh, finger nail. I mean, it looked like, I don't know if he plays guitar on the side or whatever, but why would a guy need to strap a hand up that much? If he was, because if, you, if your hand is that heavily strapped, it would suggest there is an injury there. But there he is, still fielding in the slips. He's still batting. So his hand was obviously deemed well enough to play. Was he attacked by a very sort of vicious cat? I don't think so. None of that came out the news. So why the bandaging? And why the really, really long nail? Questions, right? Fair questions. In hindsight, 
not too threatening. But now we look at it and we go, yeah, obviously this is happening because these guys are getting reversed like no one else was getting. Anyway, SA managed to win that test fair and square, which was really cool. Everyone was back on board of the series, but there was the whole thing hanging over Rabada. Is he going to play the next test? Has he been suspended? ICC gave him all kinds of demerit points. And before you know it, yes, two matches. He was suspended for the rest of the series. Gone. The best player in the world. He just got back to number one in the, in the world rankings. And uh, there was all the stats around the fact how many 10 wicket hauls he's got. And uh, we all know he's just he's incredible. He's the best bowler in the world. But now he's out of the whole series. Uh, Dalian Poffu then comes in. Sorry, Dalian Poffu then comes in. He represents Rabada. The ban gets overturned. He's back in the game. Steve Smith is then making whinging comments about the fact that, well, why wasn't he involved in the whole process of the whole, you know, um, the whole hearing? Why weren't his events on the whole shoulder check, brush charge, however you want to see it? Why wasn't he called in? So there were sour grapes, but there was great tension building for this amazing Newlands test. Then Werner Philander came out on Twitter saying that, or he didn't come out, he just came out saying that he thought uh, that Steve Smith was making the most of the shoulder charge and that you know he was acting like a footballer. He then <laughs> claimed that his Twitter account got hacked, which we all know happens. We've all addressed that. But then Cameron Bancroft, the guy who was so under the radar, no one cared really about him because he wasn't really doing much with the bat. We all know the Aussies have battled to kind of have a regular bat opening partnership with David Warner. So Bancroft then started mouthing off about the fact that, well, Werner's going to get a bit of stick for the whole tweet thing and the whole Twitter hack thing. And everyone was laughing him off like, okay, you guys really want to try escalate the sledging with all the demerit points floating around. So again, these are all non-events and we all kind of thought it's going to be back to cricket as usual and away we go. So the Proteus batted first in the, in the test at Newlands and decent kind of first innings total, all things considered. David Warner came out swinging. He hit uh, Rabada for five consecutive boundaries. I mean, he hit him for a huge six. And he was suddenly 30 runs off like 13 balls or something stupid. Rabada then, just showing what a true champion he is, knocked back his off stump, and that was it. SA was back in the test. And then Warner walks off the ground, and someone's drunk uncle gave him a rather visible send-off. You know, like, I don't know what was said, but basically he clapped him off. And then on the back of that, Daza Lehman, well... As a guy, maybe doesn't say a lot, but he was outraged, outraged with the Newlands crowd and what was being said to his players. I, I think it's been disgraceful. I mean, you're, you're talking about um, abuse of various players and their families, and personal abuse is not on at a cricket ground anywhere around the world, not just here. It shouldn't happen. I mean, you can have the banter, that's fine. Banter's, you know, good-natured, fun by crowds, but they've gone too far here. We've written to Cricket South Africa, um, Cricket Australia have done that. Um, we'll see their response, but it's been poor. Was that the tone of what was said to David? Yeah, it was personal, it was poor. And he wasn't the only one. It's much worse. Uh, sorry, David, just kidding. Much worse than nothing, obviously. They are, they are. Look, there's always going to be banter, as we said. Uh, and a lot of, it doesn't get personal, but it has gone too far with the crowd. Yeah, and they've got to be better than that when they're coming to the international arena to watch a game of two quality sides playing against each other. And they go hard on the ground, there's no doubt about that, but off the ground you don't expect that when you're leaving the ground or you're having a go at someone's family. It's just disgraceful. So from the, the casual outsider, Dazza might have a point here, right? It's like, why would you ever say anything about personal nature to a player? Why are you abusing them anyway? What is banter? How do you define banter? But, well, you know fat bald guys in glass houses that's all i can say because Dazza, well we know his pedigree when he was a player he was charged with racial incidents um you know he's already so blatantly obvious what he was trying to do just to Stuart broad when broad went over there for the ashes after the whole incident where he didn't walk against uh, ashton agar which in itself you know it's within the rules it's a dick move but the guy Lehman wanted to really make him pay and he went on to a national broadcaster in Australia to basically say that Aussies must come out in their droves, okay? Now just bear in mind what you've just heard. Darren Lehman said on Australian radio, all Aussie cricket fans must come out in their droves and they must give uh, Broad a tough time. They must abuse him. They must make him go back home in tears. That's what he wants them to feel like, that wants, wants Broad to feel. So a guy said that 
But yet here he is saying that the abuse of his players, I mean, I spoke to a lot of people who went to that Newlands game. At no stage was it ever ridiculous. I mean, the thing about South Africans is that, yeah, I mean, we can be dicks like any other nation, but I don't think it ever gets to the point where it's just too bad unless it's really, really warranted. And even though he will say it was dreadful, I mean, come on. Mornay Morkel himself said, it's just as bad, if not worse, when we go to Australia. It's part of what happens, just trying to think too much of it. But here's Dazza, who suddenly is this virtuous like symbol of all things right in the game. He's now mouthing off about this. So this whole letter they wrote to Cricket South Africa to basically do something, well, we never know if we got decided upon what's going to be done. Because once that once Dazza's uh, comments started to sink in, and everyone was crying bullshit. The world's press, again, was just going on about the fact that who do these guys think they are, that they can now draw the line and all this kind of stuff. And he was getting so much abuse, but nothing could have prepared any of us for what would later then happen in South Africa's second innings. With a healthy lead after the first innings, and again, great bowling from the South African bowlers, the Aussies were up against it. And uh, during the middle session of the day, suddenly all kinds of strange things were happening. And then... um well, the camera started following Bancroft around. Now, why this would happen, I'm not entirely sure. But the, the Aussie, Aussie bowlers and, uh, well, apparently knew nothing about this. And it was only, um, this guy, this guy who we didn't know too much about prior to this. Anyway, here's a bit of a roundup of just the scandal that broke on, I think it was the, the third day in the middle session. The scandal which has rocked the game of cricket and an entire nation. The incident which threatens to have severe repercussions for all involved. When Cameron Bancroft and Steve Smith confessed to trying to tamper with the ball against South Africa, they triggered feelings of anger, shame and revulsion throughout the sport and beyond. Smith has been banned for the final test in the series. His contrition from Saturday didn't help his cause on Sunday. I'm not proud of, of what's happened. Um, you know, it's not within the spirit of the game. Um, my integrity, the team's integrity... Leadership group's integrity has come into to question, and, and rightfully so. Um, it's not on. Um, it's, it's certainly not on, and it's, it, it won't happen again, I can promise you that, under my leadership. That leadership may well be now at an end. Such has been the backlash from many inside and outside the game. Bancroft, too, is staring at an uncertain future, despite his confession. Uh, I guess once I was, you know, sighted on the on the screens and, and having done that, I, I, you know, painted quite a lot, and uh, yeah, that that obviously resulted in, in me shoving it down my um, my trousers. It's all a far cry from when Bancroft and Smith were the wise cracking double act during the Winter Ashes series with England. So just to kind of nail down the entire thing is that what was happening was that um, you get guys are shining the ball in cricket. That's obviously everyone does that, but Farney de Villiers. Now, Farney de Villiers is an ex-South African cricket player, of course. Finakavani, everyone knows him. Uh, he bowled particularly well in the Sydney Test back when the, uh, the Proteus won there back in the day. He was thinking, how the hell are these guys getting reverse swing in the 20-something overs? So he told the, the actual producers and the cameramen to have a look. Here's Farney actually retelling what he said on an Australian breakfast show recently. Broadcasting on television. Has there been a suspicion at any point through the series that, that this had been going on or when you saw? Yes, of what, course. Right, of course. okay. I said, I said, I said earlier on that if they can get reversing in the 26th, 27th, 28th over, then they are doing something different from what everybody else does. And we actually said to our cameraman, go out, have a look, boys. They are using something. It's impossible for the ball to get old, to get altered like that on a, on, on cricket wickets where we knew there's a grass covering on, not a Pakistani wicket where there's cracks every centimetre. We're talking about grass covering wickets where you have to you do something else to alter the shape or to alter the, the, the roughness of the ball on the one side. And uh, and you cannot wait. I mean, just to explain reverse swing, you have to get the one side wetter than the other side, heavier, in other words, on the other side. And up with, with normal conditions... Come 35, 36, 37 overs with all the spit and the sweat on the shiny side, it does become heavy, and that's when reverse swing starts. And that's where the swing bowlers like us used to say to the whole team, right, guys, stop swinging. It start going straight. I'm sure we can wet it even more now. And that's where sweat was used on the shiny side to make it heavy, and that's how reverse swing started. And then, obviously, the rough side just needs to be, needs to be not, not, not shined, because that's not really what causes it, it's the weight that causes it. 
And with the Australian team getting reverse swing before the 30th over, they had to do something. I mean, if you take a cricket ball and you scratch it against uh, 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 a normal iron or steel um, gate or anything, anything steel on it, it reverse swings immediately because of the roughness. But that's the kind of extra alteration that you need to do. And they always did something, and we and they searched for an hour and a half until they saw something, and then they started following Bancroft, and they actually caught him out of there. So there was, like, graphs involved about when the ball started swinging, and for an hour, an hour and a half, and bear in mind, there's 30 cameras around this. I mean, when Supersport do a broadcast, you've got to hand it to them. It's world-class. I don't think anyone comes close to how good it is. So finally gave the call. So this is exactly what happened. Bancroft was working on it, and then the stuff started being shown on the big screen. Suddenly the crowd started noticing this. Darren Lehman then got on the walkie-talkie, and he walkie-talkie down to Peter Hanscom, who was 12th man. Hanscom then ran on the field, had a little chat to Bancroft. Bancroft, for the ever, for images that will haunt him for the rest of his life, was then seen putting a little bit of sandpaper down his pants. So what made the incident worse, and people always go about the fact that what makes this different to other ball tampering cases, for me, when the umpires were notified about this, Bancroft then produced from his pockets a sunglass case, even though he wasn't wearing sunglasses. He gesticulated to the umpires that he was nearly touching the ball with this in order to smooth it up, and that everything was A-OK. So at that stage, the stuff, the contraband in his pants was never came into it. He was then umming and ahhing about stuff, and then eventually they got into the press conference, and that was Steve Smith was saying, this will never happen again, blah, 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 we need to move on. And he was downplaying how severe this was, but it was premeditated cheating these guys said they went out there and again this is no knowledge to the rest of the team as people keep saying it was premeditated to say right we are against it in this match we need three or four wickets this session let's start scuffing the ball up let's get some extra swing for our bowlers that's the cut and thrust of it so while this was happening though australia was asleep uh, you know because obviously there's a big time difference between the, the, the two countries so people in australia probably weren't watching this unless they were real diehard fans. But just think, if you are Cricket's, Cricket's Australia CEO, Davis, uh, James Sutherland, you wake up to this. Anyway, he was quickly thrust in front of microphones. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, just wanted to say at the outset that uh, I was extremely disappointed and shocked to hear the news and read the news this morning after the events in Cape Town yesterday and uh, from a Cricket Australia perspective we regard this as an extremely serious issue and in a moment I'll go into uh, some steps that are going to be put in place to uh, understand more about it. So there he was, quivering lip in a car park, surrounded by a media scrum and they're ready, they had steps in place. One of those steps was James and his mates to getting on a plane and off they went to SA to find out what the hell was going on here. These guys are cheating, premeditated cheating. That's Bancroft. He's a young guy. This couldn't have been his idea. He was obviously put up to by senior players. Smith said there's a senior leadership group that put this all together. His bowlers, other senior people are going, whoa, 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 hang on a second. We had no part in this. Don't you be blanketing us. Smith showed dreadful leadership. He really did. And uh, to give more views on that, here's ex-Aussie uh, captain and man with always with dashing hairstyles, Michael Clark. Yep, that's oh, No, James, you had enough. Where's James? There he is. Sorry, I'm running a lot of clips here. So <laughs> just bear in mind, this is in light of Steve Smith throwing out a few crumbs in this press conference thinking he was no biggie. But in the PR exercise, if you got a disaster, own your disaster. Don't go out there and just give token things because then you lose control of the situation. So here's Michael Clark talking about Steve Smith and what happened with this whole incident, literally as it happened the morning after. Look, when I watch that, I, I feel for those two guys. I, and I know, I can't believe I say that because of what's happened, but Cameron Bancroft, this is his eighth test match. I can't believe if the leadership leadership group has, has made a decision to do this, that they've gone and get, got the young kid who's playing his eighth test match to do that, you know. As, as a leader, you can't ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself, number one. Um, Steve Smith is such a lovely, lovely guy. It, you can see there he's just shattered, you know. I just, I, I really feel sorry for him. The bottom line... Two things, if I may say. Do you acknowledge that for what it is? Cheating. And the second question is, should he go? 
Is it's, it cheating? It's premeditated cheating. It's blatant cheating. Okay. It's disgraceful. It's not accepted by anyone, and particularly in Australian. We've got the best bowling attack in the world. Whoa, 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 whoa. Be... Easy, easy. Maybe second best, uh, Clarkie. Anybody. So we've got an Australian cricket captain, premeditated, cold-blooded cheating, ipso facto... Is it not obvious that he must resign? I, I don't think it'd be fair for me, Fitz, to answer that question right now. I think I'm too emotional. I think I'm just going off footage that I've seen. I haven't spoken to any players. I haven't spoken to the Australian captain. I think I would need to do a lot more groundwork before I could make that decision. But I can guarantee you this is, this is not a good look for... Um, you know, the leadership group. Well, to me... Who, who is captain, the leadership group? Yeah, well, that, that's what I want to know. Well, and yeah. they're all a part of this. They've all made that decision so, and a, a really poor decision. So they've all got to go, really. Well, I, I, in my time... I don't know who the current leadership group is. In, in my time, um, if we had a leadership group, it was captain, vice-captain and coach. But I don't know what the current... Uh, leadership group is. I don't know if they've got other senior players, do they have other support staff? I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, and, and this has probably been my uh, my gripe with Australian cricket over you know the last, let's say, four or five years, I think our structure has changed. When I grew up watching cricket, the captain was in charge of the Australian cricket team, always. My father's team, uh, Mark Taylor's team, Alan Border's team, Steve Waugh's team. Halfway through my captaincy, that changed. They took the coach word out and brought in a head coach. They brought in a high-performance manager. So then you've got board, CEO, high-performance manager, head coach, chairman of selectors, and then the captain. So that's Michael Clark's making a really good point there because the strong Aussie teams, whether these guys have been dicks or they've been brash or whatever it is, there's been a level of consistency about what goes on here. And they sure as hell weren't blatantly cheating like this. And you won't see them bitching and moaning about crowds. You won't hear them moaning about shoulder brushes. They were men's men to put a very sort of old school title together. But now, who knows who's really in charge here? I mean, it's, it's like the tail wagging the dog. Lehman doesn't know what's going on here. Smith seems to be pressured by other people. And then you got a guy like Bancroft who, I mean, the, the young guy's meant to feel a short leg. That's his only real sort of punishment for being inexperienced in the team. He's not meant to go, you know, take sandpaper onto the field. So it's, it's a great point there by Clark in that where's the structure? What's, what's happening? Who's leading? What's happening with these people? So, of course, as the news was breaking and South Africans were having a field day, they really were, with all the memes, all the jokes, the game carried on. Steve Smith was demoted as captain. David Warner was demoted as vice captain. The game went on. The Proteas then sort of just kept hammered home their advantage. A famous win, while Tim Payne, who is now the new captain, was forced to kind of just pick up the pieces. Like, you got to... People keep saying, oh, you know, you got to feel for this guy, you got to feel for that guy. And a lot of the time, I said bo bo bollocks, you know, these guys know exactly what they're doing. But the one person I do actually feel for, and I'm being completely serious when I say this, I kind of feel for this uh, this Tim Payne guy. You think, he wasn't even a first choice uh, keep a batsman for his state side, and now all of a sudden he got a chance to be back in the Aussie team. I mean, good on him. You've got to take a chance where you get them international sport. And now he's being told to be you're the captain of this mess. Bear in mind, that press conference did not have Darren Lehman in it. It had Steve Smith. Steve Smith let Bancroft take the first question, basically. There was not a lot of leadership going on. And now, after this match, after the Aussies haven't just suffered their biggest defeat against the Proteus NSA, which in itself is a bitter pill to swallow, they've now got to justify or to explain this whole match-fixing thing. So here's Tim Payne. By himself. This is a guy who, before this series, was th just hoping to maybe be in it. He's now the Australian captain. That, that anyone would like to be sitting here, that's for sure. But, yeah, really um, bizarre, strange, horrible 24 hours. Um, yeah, we've just um, had a, a quick chat, as we do as a team, um, every morning. And um, Steve and Dave uh, both announced that, that they were stepping down and then... Um, I was told by the chairman of selectors, basically, that I'd be captain for the day. Uh, yeah, they're not great. There's no doubt about that. Um, Sorry, just here he's talking about Smith and Bancroft. So, like I was saying, he was just thrust in the position, and now he's got a front up to the media by himself. So here he's describing the, the mental state of the two in, involved in the, in, the, in the crisis. Yeah, it's been a horrible 24 hours. Um, they're, they're struggling, but um, I think probably the... The reality and the enormity of what's happened is probably starting to sink in.
Yeah, absolutely. So there's, um, I suppose, ammunition enough for, for our playing group. It's um, you know a difficult situation that some guys are going to get an opportunity um, from. So I suppose it's trying to grab hold of the, the one positive that, that may come of it is guys are going to get an opportunity to play for their country. Um, and the whole opportunity for us going forward now is, um, is something that we can learn from um, and something that we can... I suppose try and control how we are seen going forward by our Australian public and, and become the team that um, we want to become and, and they want us to be seen as. So there's a vital point there is that how they want to be seen. So the Australian public was just outraged by this. This is an absolute disgrace. We're not a country of cheats. You guys have basically embarrassed an entire nation. I mean, the, the Aussie Prime Minister was said as much. And what Tim Penn is saying there is true. That's what they're trying to do now. So Stephen Smith was uh, suspended for one game by the ICC and fined his entire match fee. Cameron Bancroft was given three demerit points and a 75% ban of his um, fine of his match fee. So naturally, the ICC were then seen as this toothless organization who were just being far too lenient. But two, in their defense, which I probably never say, because I don't believe the ICC do much for cricket. I, I really don't um, from a variety of standpoints. I think David Richardson's just your classic yes man who's drawing a salary. But within the procedures of the ICC, love them or hate them, they followed their procedures. So they gave Smith the biggest suspension or sanction that they possibly could for him. He's not a repeat offender. He's not sitting on a lot of demerit points, that kind of stuff. So within their system, they did what they deemed acceptable. I believe they've got to relook their system. But just to kind of, let's not make another side shot of the ICC. They did what they would, that had to happen. So straight away, Smith's not going to play the fourth test. Bancroft has been suspended. Sorry, he's been fined, but he's still in. No talk yet of David Warner. But now this is where things get really, really interesting. Because as the test match finishes, David Warner is seen to have gone rogue. As in, he doesn't want to spend time with, with uh, his team. He did the most scandalous thing possible. He left the team WhatsApp group. I don't know why they just didn't add him in because, you know, if you're an admin, you can add people. And so anyway, and then he went drinking with non-team players. So there was absolute turmoil. And now because Steve Smith said that there was more people involved, but didn't mention names, and he said as much in the press conference, the team itself was saying, no, screw this. We're not getting rolled into this. All the bowlers, you think the bowlers are kind of like your senior players, right? Nathan Lyon, Stark, Hazelwood. These guys, you are senior players. They don't, I mean, the Aussie team, when you really look at it, is relatively inexperienced. There was no talk of Usman Kawaja, who's obviously one of the more senior players. None of this was coming through. So it was then completely confirmed that it was just the three players. But before we get into that, there was a whole lot of, um, Obviously, you know, the jokes and everything is what comes out of this. But the Aussies were, I mean, they were to a man, they, 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 to a man and, and a woman. They, they damned this whole thing. And then there was this parody song, which I put up, uh, from Triple J. And this got, people are still retweeting this. Since I put this on my Twitter profile, 297,000 views, 5,200 retweets. And, um, this was, this was the, the sort of side tone away from some of the more, uh, serious stuff. We were walking down the street Wearing these baggy greens But then the dark voice in the locker rooms Said make sure this bull reverse swings Do it quickly, no dearly dally If we lose it won't be nice, Gary! Something small won't do no harm Just like that time we bowled underarm Oh, has he just bribed him with a lobster? No, he'd just be repaying the ampy for lunch. Would not read into it. Headed down to Bunnings, Cape Town. Asking for the R weather, Cape Town. Bit of test cricket, got him thinking, let's spin a bit of grit on the sticky tape, it'll get wicked. See Smith had him steaming on a game campaign. Was it all on Lehman? Well, a short pain pain. Man, they should have warned Warner, would be bam, bam, cross. Well, it doesn't really matter, cause they still damn lost. Oh, yes. We've been caught. Oh no, we cheat that cricket. Oh yes, we've been cut. Oh no. Oh, he's found his father. That's just to get a bump and tickle. Aussie humour at its absolute best there. And look, there's been various interesting conversation points throughout this. Like, would any other country 
have uh, credit to Triple J for that song, by the way. Would any other country have been so damning of their players, or would they have supported them and tried to defend them through any way or means? This is another debate that's gone around. Like, if South Africans were in a, in a role reversal here, you know, because obviously 5-2-per-C has fallen foul in the eyes of the ICC twice on ball tampering charges, and you can't get away from that fact. But it wasn't so widely damned as this thing. I know it's different because it's premeditated stuff. Other players are involved. You, I mean, look, I don't want to get into that again, but I mean, he used a zipper once and the other time he used a mint, which I still believe that second time was just, it was a non-event because it's extra saliva to shine a ball. Uh, anyway, technicalities. The whole thing was though, going towards Johannesburg now, James Sutherland was here. All the ice, uh, Cricket Australia top brass was out here. The integrity committee, all that kind of stuff. They had to act. The ICC had sanctioned the two players. That's fair and well and good. But there were so many different questions. Was Warner the toxic element? Everyone apparently was saying they don't want him in the team anymore. Where is Darren Lehman in this whole thing? Didn't once front up to the media. Not at all. Did not say a single thing. James Sutherland then rounded everyone up in Johannesburg where he gave a pretty useless speech, let's be honest. He came out here thinking, well, I'm going to crack the whip. Everything's going to happen. We're going to get to the bottom of this, so we're going to do it quickly so we can really move ahead as a as a team that everybody wants to see as. He got into that press conference, and he just did whatever he could to not say cheat. The reporters, the journalists, they were they were goading him to try to get the word out of his mouth, but he just flatly refused to say the word cheat. He did say that... After an extensive investigation, there's only three players involved. It is Warner, it is Smith, it is Bancroft. Lehman had nothing to do with it. So Darren, (laughs) this is so funny, Darren Lehman apparently has been found innocent of all things because he said, what the fuck is going on here? That is what he said. And that is what he then texted James Sutherland as well. So pleading innocence right from the start, and apparently when he was on the walkie-talkie, he told Peter Hanskin to go out into the field and find out what's going on. He said he was completely oblivious to what was going on. He then brought the guys in the tea break, and one by one, he shuffled through them looking for answers. Because he, like all the rest of the team, the so-called leadership group, they were all oblivious. None the wiser to what was going on. So Darren straight away made himself squeaky clean in the eyes of his internal structures and in the eyes of his employer. He didn't want to go to the press, answer any questions. He wanted to stick to this little point of control, and that was what he stuck to. So Sutherland confirmed the fact that Lehman was still going to say be still be the coach. Loads of media speculating he was have to be asked to step down. But one thing I did pick up before this press conference was the fact that the media was doing whatever they could. I mean, this is an age of clickbait journalism, of course, but there's people wherever they could be to try to get a microphone to someone's face. But I find this is so cringe yet so interesting at the times we live in that you get these international reporters and they are doing whatever they can just to get click- clicks. So here's uh, Dan Rowan, who's um, I think mostly affiliated to the BBC. Here he is sticking his microphone in Darren Lehman's face. Darren, Darren, did you cheat during the Ashes? Did you cheat during the Ashes as well? Have you done it before? Are you going to resign, Darren? Uh, Daz is just walking through the airport. Obviously, he's not going to say anything. I mean, come on. It's just so stupid. But he was going at him for a couple of minutes like, did you cheat in the Ashes? Are you going to resign? What do you got to say about this? What do you got to say about people thinking you have? Blah, blah, blah. And Darren's obviously is pretending to be on the phone. But this guy's just all over him like a bad rash. So it gets to the press conference with James Sutherland. And he says, there's three players. They'll be banned tomorrow. And uh, he took some questions and gave some pretty non- non-committed answers. And that was that. Next day, we wake up to the fact that Lehman is squeaky clean. Still no no sanction whatsoever. Warner, a year ban. Smith, a year ban. Cameron Bancroft, nine months. On top of that, Smith and Warner, not allowed to take up any leadership position in the Australian team for two years. On top of that, uh, they stood down from their IPL captaincy role. On top of that, the BCCI, the Board of Complete and Utter Control in India, they said they're not even allowed to play in the IPL. So it went from Steve Smith saying, you know, it's a regrettable incident. This will never happen to my team again. Let's just move on to him now being banned from the sport. Basically, nobody wants him to play. How bad is it? How about a turnaround, like a 48-hour turnaround? This all going on. So that was huge. That really, really was. And again, I still don't understand how it was just there. Think about it from a burning perspective, right? When you're looking for reverse swing, like the Aussies have been throughout the series and have been successful through the series, 
you set a certain field because you're going to bowl a ball in a certain way. If you're looking to maybe expose a batsman against a short ball, you'll have a field that's going to maybe maximize on the ball going short and therefore going to certain parts of the ground. When you're bowling full and straight and looking for a reverse swing late as to get a ball or an edge, you will find the field to be different. So you can't tell me if you're Mitchell Stark or Josh Hazelwood or whoever that you didn't know about this. The fact that this ball was always looking different. The fact that it was looking so ideal. I, I don't believe that for a, for a single second. I'm even going to get into if I believe Darren Lehman or not because that's not important for my opinions in that. But you've got to look at it like this. Only three players in the entire team knew about reverse swing and the fact that they were doing it illegally. How so? Everyone else, these guys weren't born yesterday. Darren Lehman, as that clip I played you earlier, they said that getting reverse swing out of a ball and doing whatever they can to a ball is a prime focus in this series, and he made that perfectly clear. So I don't believe anything. I believe that Cricket Australia, they went in, they got damage control. They said, look, you guys are going to take the fall. We can't basically ban the whole team. Can you imagine going into this fourth test of the Wanderers and already you've got no Smith and Warner and Bancroft. Imagine you don't have a Stark or Hazelwood or you Tim Payne as well as the keeper. He's now gone. Imagine you had to lose six. Imagine you had to lose the coach. It would be the end of Australian cricket right now. So I think this is one big damage control exercise. And I think Cricket Australia, to their credit, have probably made the best out of a pretty dreadful situation but the situation was getting worse for steve smith he then uh obviously him warner and bancroft were told that they can go home and uh it's a pretty disgraceful scenes and something that like it really pisses me off is that watching a guy like smith he plays cricket that's all he does to see that happen where he goes to the airport he's been surrounded by cops and people are booing him and calling him a cheat Guys, he just plays sport. I don't care if you cheat in sport. He's still just a sports person. That's all he is. But people are going out of their way for it. But um, I mean, there's, there's a variety of other clips I could play you from this. But we need to get straight to back to the point of Darren Lehman. Because once this is all happening, once Smith and Bancroft and Warner are getting abused by the press at the airport as they leave, Daz is sitting pretty back at the hotel, at the, the team hotel. Because now he decides it's best that he addresses the media. But not just the media... In general, he only addressed the Australian media. Weird, huh? And he had this to say. I mean, I'm not going to play the whole clip, but this is Dazza, the guy who's disgraced by a crowd, uh, the crowd at Newlands, who is just so holy than now, despite his track record. He decides that he can finally address the media on his own terms. Darren, I think the question a lot of people are asking is, if you didn't know, why didn't you know as the coach? Good question. Um, the first I saw of it was on that screen. And I got obviously straight on the walkie-talkie and said something to Peter. Um, and there was a couple of expletives in there. Um, and then I spoke to the players at tea time um, and said, we'll deal with it at the end of the play, which obviously happened through the process. Darren, did they tell you initially, when you asked them what happened, did they tell you that it was sticking tape? No, no. No, the, the thing is, uh, when they came off the field, we were just talking through the whole process, um, and Tate, we were in and out of the whole situation, or well, I was especially, so uh, tape, but obviously it's sandpaper. Sorry, can I, can I just confirm, so initially they told you it was sandpaper? No, no, it was tape and then sandpaper. Two very different things, don't you think? This is all sounding a little bit too wishy-washy for me. So it was it was tape, and then it was sandpaper. Dazza was in and out. He wasn't really in. I don't know. Change this story. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Oh. Uh, Darren, just how has this affected you in the past? Hard to describe. Sam, to be perfectly honest, um, disappointed. Uh, embarrassed, um, hurt for the game. Um, I worry about the three guys immensely. Uh, we, we love all our players, um, and they're going through a really tough time uh, as a group, as you'd imagine you would be in this scenario. Um, a lot of things have been said about myself and my family, which is you know expected in, in this time. So uh, it, it's been really tough for everyone, mate. Everyone involved, including fans and, and people back home and around the world. 
Okay, so it's quite a long press conference, but you can pick it by the tone that Dazer has had time to think about this. He's stuck to his story. He's made sure he's in the clear. And now he can just go and, you know, just attach peasantry to the situation. And it's easy for a guy to say, yeah, nothing to do with it. These guys, they've been banned. They're on the way. But spare, you know, spare a thought for them. They're still just good kids, blah, 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 blah. So that is where it leaves us right now. Friday, 30th of March will be the start of the fourth and final test in what has been an incredible series between SA and Australia. Joe Burns, uh, Matt Renshaw, and Glenn Maxwell, they've all come into the squad for those three players that have gone. And, well, it's very much not the contest that it should be. It's a bit sad, but there are so many different talking points that we can never really fully appreciate now and will carry on for so long. It's like, is this a new line in the sand with ball tampering? Is this a new sort of line in the sand with any kind of cheating in the in the game? As the gentleman game of test cricket, is this now dead? And we're now going to get to a point where it's an overly scrutinized, overly sort of um, sanitized game. Test cricket is, it's odd, let's be honest. I mean, you've got a lunch and a tea break for starters. It's just an odd thing. A lot of the world might not understand it or care for it, but it is a beautiful thing. It is still my favorite thing in all of sport. But incidents like this, although we can maybe have a laugh here and there, and it's been entertaining, I think it's been very bad in all things considered where this is going forward for the game. Entertaining, sure, but you know, for the, for the like of Steve Smith, um, the, the punishment seems fair now, but a year away from sports, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm so I'm swaying more towards the fact that maybe just because he's a captain, they made an example of him. Um, you know, the the, the sponsors have already sort of all jumped ship. We're talking about the big title sponsor of the Aussie team. Uh, they're currently looking to negotiate the TV rights for next season. That can't be going very well. LG dumped David Warner as quick as they could. Uh, Essex Australia follows suit as well. So all, all the endorsements, everything's just gone. These guys have been thrown into the wilderness, so to speak. Warner, no one's got sympathy for that guy. He has made it very known that he's a bit of a doer. Uh, Jonathan Trott actually tweeted yesterday. He just said goodbye, David, with a sort of hand-waving emoji, which in my in my mind kind of summed it up. A lot of people dislike the guy. He has not endeared himself to the public. And this whole incident, I mean, you can read so many different articles about the fact that he is so fueled by hatred, this guy, and he's not a great impact in this team. And this whole ball thing, uh, the ball tampering thing, people are saying it was pretty much his idea. He is so fueled by this whole win-at-all-cost culture. And this, another thing is the Australian culture now has to change, has to be reassessed. And Lehman, again, in a position where he feels he can only just say the right things now, has even said that you know he wishes his team was more like New Zealand. Uh, these are odd things to say, but it kind of almost have to be said at this stage. Warner, though, is the face of the toxic element in this cricket in this Aussie cricket team. And I think Cricket, cricket Australia are almost kind of relieved that they can maybe toss him away. I don't think he's going to play international cricket again. I think he's going to become just another sort of T20 mercenary. People are really amusing the analogy that he'll be like the, the Kevin Peterson of Australian cricket in that, you know, he fell out of favor with international selectors. He'll never get another chance again. He can't be trusted. And he'll just go on to swing his bat around the world for T20 money. So be it. There's so many different other talking points here. And there's also... As much as everyone's taking great delight in kicking the Aussies while they're down here, I would be lying if I said that not, this hasn't amused me. But it's a great example to the rest of the world. That's, you know, this is a great game and we can all be competitive. We're all looking to cut corners here or there, but let's not mess up what's a really great thing. The Aussies have come down hard on their players here. Like I said, I don't think a lot of countries would go through the same sort of um, procedures. But then again, when the evidence is as damning as it is and it looks as plain to see to anybody, they had no choice. If I think there was elements of doubt, you might see elements of defense, but there was no element of doubt. So therefore, they only could just be so upfront with this. Sure. I am going to the Wanderers tomorrow. I'm going to be at the Wanderers this weekend. I love test cricket. I love to watch it. I love the Wanderers. I like drinking beer with my mates. I'm going to go. This isn't going to change my behavior towards that. It's a shame when I get there, you're going to see players getting booed. Players that have had no role in this are going to be verbally abused probably on the boundaries. But that is what's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. So I leave you with that. Well, actually, I leave you with a couple of things. What would Richie, Richie Benno have said if he was alive? The late, great Richie Benno. What would he have said if he was alive during this incident? Well, I've got a snapshot for you. This is, I think, what Richie would say. Now, everyone around Australia will have their uh, own ideas on that. And uh, we always get letters and phone calls about different things that happen. So I don't expect anyone to agree with me. 
Uh, I don't expect uh, that you get more than 50% agreement on anything. Let me just tell you what I think about it. I think it was a disgraceful performance from a captain who got his sums wrong today, and I think it should never be permitted to happen again. We keep reading and hearing that the players are under a lot of pressure and that they're tired and jaded and perhaps their judgment and their skill is blunted. Well, uh, perhaps they might advance that as an excuse for what happened out there today. Not with me, they don't. I think it was a very poor performance. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Good night. That, of course, was said after the Chapel under on bowling incident. And many people are saying this is uh, obviously worse than that, but it's the biggest controversy and the biggest shock to the Australian cricket culture since that moment. I will play out with a bit of humor, though. Because the one Australian that I still really enjoy, and like I said, I've been saying for a few weeks now, Australians are good people, and I think the way that, that as a nation they've they've dealt with this whole thing will suggest that that there's just a bit of a rogue element in this cricket team, which has obviously brought down the nation's credibility. But I shall leave you with Aussie Man, who is maybe one of my top three Australians of all time, and this is his take on the whole uh, ball tampering thing. Anyway, long weekend ahead, but odds go on to thebounce.ca.za to find all of this and more, and of course on YouTube at Follow the Bounce, and we'll catch up next week. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at Follow the Bounce. Have a great Easter long weekend. Here's Aussie Man playing out on the whole ball tampering incident. Okay, who's talking poorly of the Australian cricket team? Who is calling us cheats? What is this fucking bullshit? As far as I can see, Bancroft is fixing up his pants. This is a classic boxer shorts issue. He's trying to get some fresh air to the meat and potatoes and everyone's watching him on the big screen, making accusations. This is a breach of privacy. Crikey, he's going in deep. Yeah, no, that's okay, it's okay. Fuck. They've got a super slow-mo camera. Okay, there is something in his hand. I won't deny it. I can see it. It's a yellow post-it note. Fuck, that's all it is. He's met a Sheila last night, and he doesn't want to lose her number. So he's moving it from his pocket to his undies. We've all done this. Every guy has done this before. This is just something we do. Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, nah. And here, he's just rubbing her number on the ball for good luck. Every guy rubs valued possessions onto their balls, especially when it's connected to someone you like. There's Shane Warne. He's like, I never tampered with my balls out on the field. Whatever, Warney. Michael Clark is disgusted. Shit, even our Prime Minister is calling our cricket team cheats. Fuck's sake, Malcolm. Fuck's sake. Ah, uh, whatever. Only thing he's good for is getting yelled at by Donald Trump. Anyway, yeah, look, he's cooperating. He's emptied his pockets for the umpires and the only thing in there is his sunglasses cloth to clean the sunglasses he's not wearing. Nothing suspicious, all good. And I mean, so what? If he had a press conference admitting that he tried to change the texture of the ball with a piece of sticky tape, so what? I don't believe him. He's only trying to protect that Sheila's digits. And yeah, so what? If the Australian captain, Steve Smith, admitted to knowing about the cheating as well. He's just being a good wingman. Okay, fine. Fuck, we cheated. The Australian cricket team tried to cheat and it's a shit day to be Australian. Fuck, fine. Fuck me dead. None of us are proud of this. This is Smith saying to Bancroft, yeah, we're fucked. We're totally fucked. We have a lot of cameras. Ah, dear. We're going to end up being like the Russian Olympic team. They have to use that generic Olympic flag when they compete as punishment because they've done too much cheating. That's what our Australian athletes could do to us. Sad day. Sad fucking day to be Australian. This game has super slow-mo cameras, snickometers, hotspot technology, LED stumps and bales. But nah, our players thought, no worries, we can get away with this shit. This is CliffCentral.com.